grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? Thus writes St. Peter in his second epistle to the church. We are certainly in those last days, and scoffers are around us. They are following their sinful desires. Many people are trying to seek escape from the world's troubles with drugs or gambling or sex outside of marriage. Many couples are, are unwilling to work toward fulfilling their marriage vows and preserving their marriages. Many people desiring to let live and let live are refusing to work and others are being so driven by greed and wealth, they forget that they are joined by God to a family. Many are following their own sinful desires. They want to eat, drink, and be merry, for they do not want to consider that our Lord will return. He will return as a thief in the night, that is, at a time when many do not expect. The scoffers will not allow the Christian to remain at peace. The scoffers will mock and jeer at Christians for their beliefs. They will try to make Christians look silly or make Christians unsure of their own beliefs as they are recorded in the scriptures. The scoffers will do what they can to whittle away at, at Christian virtues, Christian values in order to make the life of the Christian all the more difficult. Scoffers will mock the faithful Christian who awaits in patience our Lord's return by saying, as Peter writes, where is the promise of his coming? You think that he's coming will show us evidence of it. Show us evidence that he's ever been here. They will scoff us and say, but really nothing has changed. Generations rise and go, and the same scoffers have remained. Yet Jesus continues to wait. Those who are scoffing the Christians are a bit like Elijah, when he mocked the prophets of Baal, suggesting that their God is asleep or maybe has gone somewhere else. Except, of course, Elijah mocked the false gods while scoffers today are mocking the true God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the very God who created all things, the God who redeems us, and the God who sanctifies us to be his people. These scoffers don't see the promise of our Lord's coming, for they no longer see our Lord's own handiwork and the ways in which he has been at work here in this world. They don't see God's hand in the way the world works and how all, nat all of nature works together. They don't see God's handiwork in the miracle of life. They don't see God's handiwork all as people gaze into the stars and ponder at the heavens or they look at the beauty of God's creation here on earth. For they overlook the reality that God has created the heavens and the earth, 
They don't see the evidence of a great earthly flood as a sign of God's work, including his judgment and his power and his love to save. For those who question God's coming, assuming it will never happen, they need to look at the evidence that God has visited his creation and has left many marks concerning his judgment. For God saw that the wickedness on earth was great and that the people wanted to continue in evil all the time, as it is recorded in Genesis chapter 6. And so God sent the flood, the water vapor canopy that surrounded our earth, thus preventing rainbows prior to the flood, unleashed torrents of rain, and water contained in the ground came gushing up, and therefore God, fulfilling his word, fulfilling his word through the flood, destroyed the earth as it had been known. We see signs of the flood all around us. Seashells and other sea fossils are found even on mountaintops. Sandy beds and great seas from years gone by are located in unexpected places. The earth has clearly experienced cataclysmic destruction. Great canyons have been carved by huge amounts of water runoff. You want evidence that Jesus is coming? It's all around you. St. Peter described this evidence. He says, look to the flood, this event that occurred thousands of years earlier as evidence that God will fulfill his promise to return. St. Peter urged the church to remember what God did at the flood to serve as a reminder that God still fulfills his promises that Christ will return. God not only brought destruction as God sent the flood, but he also saved his creation through it. For Noah and his family, eight souls in all, built that ark. They, they made it through the flood on the ark. Two, God sent two of every kind of creature on the ark, to be carried on, to carry on God's own beautiful creation. And afterward, God gave the rainbow to show that he will never again bring about worldwide destruction through a flood. This means that you have God's word of promise. In fact, God now uses water for your salvation. Water not only sustains your physical life, but God has brought you into his family through the waters of holy baptism. You now belong in the ark of Christ's church, and he will keep you in safety until he returns. He promises to use all things for your good. Jesus has never failed you. He has kept all of his promises, and he has perfectly fulfilled his father's will. Therefore, he will return, he says so. Do not listen to those scoffers who mock the reality that God is present or that God will return. You see, God is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, as Peter writes, that God is waiting 
That is, he is tarrying or delaying to return is indeed for our good. On the other hand, though, we want him to return now because we see all these evil things that are going on around us and we want him to end this craziness and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. The reality, though, is that we lack the patience that God himself has. We want quick results and therefore we want quick rewards. That's why people buy lottery tickets and send in for various sweepstakes. They're looking for an instant reward. We're much more like the hare in Aesop's fables than the tortoise. We're so confident that we will get our instant gratification, that we lose focus on the race. We fall asleep and we miss out. But God remains patient and so he tarries, that is, he waits. He delays so that, as Peter tells us, more and more can be added to Christ's church through the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that his word will have free course in our land and throughout the world, and so that the good news of Jesus can be spread to the ends of the earth. Jesus delays because, or not because he's busy elsewhere, or be, not because he's somehow absent. For even though Jesus ascended into heaven, we acknowledge that he is still present. He is present in our midst. He isn't just present when there are hundreds gathered together, but Jesus declares where three, two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of, of them. Jesus is not gone at all. He is among us and present through his word. Soon when we celebrate the sacrament, he will be present in the sacrament. And Jesus, though we may not see him in the flesh, he can be seen through the various forms of his handiwork and especially through his word of promise. God does not want you O Christian, to perish. He wants you to reach repentance. He wants you to turn from your sin, sins and the, the desires of your flesh and instead toward, turn toward him. For Jesus, the Lamb of God, died on the cross to take those sins away. And you, having been added to God's family through the flood of holy baptism, have now been united to his death and resurrection. Therefore, who are you to continue in sin? In Christ, you have died to sin, and you now rise, have arisen to newness of life. That way, when our Lord Jesus returns in great glory, you will be ready for his appearing. You, living in repentance and faith, will look up and lift up your eyes as your redemption draws near. You will rejoice to see that day of the Lord, for Jesus is coming back as your Lord and as your shepherd. He is coming for you to bless you and to acquit you of your sin. When Jesus returns at the appointed time, the heavens and the earth as we know it will be no longer. Sin will ultimately be replaced with righteousness and holiness. Death will be no longer. Life will live and we too will live. Our bodies will be raised from the grave 
and God will make them glorious, imperishable, and incorruptible. God will refashion the heavens and the earth, and all will dwell with him to eternity who have abided in Christ. It will be nothing but good as we praise our Lord and dwell in his eternal presence upon the resurrection. The song that we heard last week in Revelation will continue to be sung as we are centered around the throne of the Lamb who will be in our midst. And we will sing his praises. Many surmise that they will find that life to come in the world to come boring. They figure that this life has got to be far more interesting than going and being in the presence of God and singing his praises and being set free from all the troubles of this life. They take little delight in singing God's praises now, hearing God's saving word or meditating on the deeds of Christ. And because these are of such little value or of little interest to them, they cannot fathom how these things will be nothing but delight when we are in heavenly bliss. This is so because their thoughts are still centered on the fallen world and their joys are not centered on Christ. May God have mercy on all who think so little concerning the things of God. God grant that we, having tasted and seen that the Lord is good, would delight in the saving word of Christ. God grant that we would sing boldly his praises. God grant that we would diligently teach the faith to the next generation and boldly give testimony of Christ's deeds to our neighbors. Throughout the last four verses of our epistle, St. Peter instructs us as children of God to be holy and godly, that we may be diligent to be found by our Lord without spot or blemish, that we may be at peace. Yet, we, yes, we are given, or yes, we are to give our attention to our conduct. As Christians, we do not ignore our Lord's command to engage in, uh, in good works. After all, it is written, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And while our Lord certainly calls on us to love God and love our neighbor, keeping the law, the, the way to true righteousness and holiness is not found in our works, but in Christ Jesus alone. Our faith is not in our works, but it is in Jesus. When Jesus came the first time, he bore our sins in his body. He went to the cross and shed his innocent blood on our behalf. Many are terrified as they ponder on our Lord's return. They dread the thought of Jesus coming to judge. They don't realize that Jesus is coming to acquit his own and bring, righteous, and bring the righteous into eternal life. Instead, they think about God's judgment to condemnation, fearful that they may be going away into eternal punishment. God therefore calls on us, as Peter writes two chapters before our epistle, to make our calling and election sure. He wants us to be confident of our standing with God, not in self-confidence and self-security through our own self-righteousness, but trusting solely in our Savior, who shed his innocent blood on our behalf. 
who alone atoned for our sins on the cross and who credits us to have the very righteousness of Christ by grace through faith. In Christ alone, we are reconciled to our Father in heaven. Through him, we will be judged not guilty on the last day. In fact, he will even say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you brought me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick or in prison and you visited me. We will even ask our Lord when we did such things. For we as God's children do not keep track of good deeds. We keep no score. We keep no tally of the things that we have done. In fact, when we have done all that we are commanded, we will simply say, as our Lord teaches in Luke 17, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. And Jesus will say to us, as we heard in our gospel, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For God joyfully receives us sinners, and he declares us to be righteous. He justifies us. He is the faithful one, and he will do it. Therefore, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.